0: Hi, I'm Jake Robinson, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast.
1: Welcome to the NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me as ever to look across the action from the National Leagues is Rob Wawelho. Rob. Uh, Morning,
2: Luke. Morning, guys.
1: And uh, we've also got Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Yeah, hello, Luke. You two were together yesterday. We'll, um, we'll find out later on what, why and what happened. And uh, joining me as well uh, to look over the nationally north, as always, and he'll chip in where needed, it is Dickie Wharton. Hi, Dickie.
3: Hi, Luke. Good to speak to you, as always. Joining us
1: as well to uh, chip in with their pearls of wisdom, we have Tom Lang and Darren Smith from the Claret Army podcast. Hi, guys.
0: Morning, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very much not from the Claret Army yeah, I was going to you, say, yeah, that sounded
1: like you were together but you know, you're not, but you sounded really disappointed then Tom. Luke's you know. trying to marry us all off this one yeah, <laughs> I know. You, You're
0: aware I'm already
1: married right Luke He's... <laughs> We're all one happy family here So we'll start with the National League and Tarki dropped points in what looks a tough encounter against Bournemouth, it was tough all over with the weather conditions yesterday but uh is that a surprising result, guys? I mean, Toki did play the last 15 minutes with 10 men, but uh, it was two first-half goals, really. It'll feel like a missed chance to, miss, uh, to move five points clear, won't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Toki, it will do. Um, you know, everything's been going their way, whether it's late goals to win games or, you know, good comebacks or trance in teams. But, um to be fair, it can't go all your way every week and Bore and Wood are a decent side themselves. They're never going to lay down and die for anybody. Um, and uh, they stayed in the game, which is what you've got to do when you go behind. And uh, uh, it was a fortuitous goal. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Sorba Thomas literally just sent over across from from the left wing, quite near the byline, actually. And uh, I don't know whether there was a slight whip or deflection on it, but it just uh, curled over the goalkeeper and nestled in at the far post. But... Uh, I would imagine Borenwood and Luke Garrard will say it's about time they would do a bit of luck this season.
1: Yeah, it was been been as well from what I saw. Like you say, it just dipped in, didn't it? And it's um, it's unfortunate, but uh, a good comeback because when they'd have gone behind in the 16th minute, they'd have probably feared the worst, wouldn't they?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And... Um just on that Gary Johnson after the game said that the the conditions were awful yesterday, really, they played in really poor conditions. He said it was difficult to play football. He he wasn't making an excuse. He said it was two points lost obviously. Um, but he said it was a, it was a terrible weather to play. And one thing that I noted in that game was the number of yellow cards that Torquay managed to rack up. And, um, (laughs) there was six in total, if you include the two that, um, Adam Randall got as well. So, um, Probably a few few of those sliding tackles that start off 10 foot away and uh, (laughs) and end up taking the man down, I reckon.
2: I think, Chris, you're our official yellow card analyst now because that's, I think, two or three weeks running that you've mentioned it. (laughs) It's
0: notable, um, obviously, Sam Sharon got the goal for Torquay yesterday, how Gary Johnson sort of diversified this season. Um, Like We know how well he uses the loan system from Bristol City. But they've got in. They've started like expanding their net this season. I think they've got um, sharing from Bournemouth. They've got Adam Randall, the young lad from Plymouth Argyle, um, and they're both having quite an impact on the team. Um, they've extended both their loans. Um, they were initially in for a month. They've extended them both until at least January now. Uh, so Gary Johnson is clearly pleased with what he's seeing. Um, I think. You know, they say, like, old dogs and new tricks. But it's nice to see that having, you know, the way Torquay tailed off last season, Gary Johnson's clearly looked at it and said, actually, maybe we need to cast the net a bit further uh, in terms of the players we're bringing in.
1: you Are calling Gary Johnson old,
0: Tom? Calling him a dog? Uh, no, calling him <laughs> neither of those things.
2: <laughs> That's it, the love affair between Tom and Gary Johnson's over. Experience. Yeah. Experience.
1: <laughs> Moving up into third place with the big winners of the day, Sutton United... They smashed nearly promoted Kingsland Town by five goals to one. A pretty dominant performance. Isaac Al- Olafy with
2: a hat trick. Yeah, they were. I, I've been. I mean, Chris, we're looking at it yesterday and trying to trying to work out how you say his name. They seem to say laughing, I think. But um, apparently he's a lonely from Millwall. And uh, I don't know if anyone's seen the goals, but uh, Johnny on the spot for the first two and a brilliant turn and finish. And it looks like they've got a real prospect on their hands there.
1: Yeah, and Toby Shaw-Silber and Harry Butman got the other goals for Sutton.
4: They've won five out of six, look. It's really difficult with this table because there's so many games being called off because of COVID. Clubs are having a few weeks off and all that sort of thing. So I think Dickie made the point in the National North um, last week or the week before that it's difficult to get a read on different teams and different teams can sneak up and uh, sort of won five out of the six games so far.
1: Yeah, and Sutton, they've had a couple of weeks off with COVID. It doesn't seem to have affected them, though. They're just carrying on. And um, I know it's early days, Tom, but can we can we say that obviously they're going to have a better season than last season, but can they challenge for the playoffs this year?
0: Yeah, I think they've they've certainly got a shot at it. Um, you know, having obviously just mentioned the loan market, Isaac Oloff has come in. And as we saw, that hat-trick that Rob's just discussed, um, I watched him for... Uh, Millwall under 23s against QPR last season he was very dangerous uh, very pacey and we know how impactful pace can be at this level Um, I think one of the key things that Matt Gray's done when you look through the transfer spreadsheets as I know Rob and I do frequently Sutton United is notable by how small the change is compared to almost every other team in the division Um, and consistency is king. Um, The fact that Matt Gray can put you know, he, he's had a bit of luck with injuries, been able to put out a very consistent 11, but also the fact that that core of 15, 16 has not changed very much at all, but has been added to by a little bit of, you know, quality. I think Dean Buzanis is a really key signing for them. He's a keeper of real quality and bringing him into that bolster that back line, which is a strong defence anyway. Um, I think I'd certainly expect something to be better than what they were last season, not that they were bad, um, but playoffs is is realistic.
2: And if you look at their form, I, I haven't, I haven't done the stats, but if you look at their form from, I don't know, probably February or so onwards from last season into this, it's phenomenal, and and they'd be they if you looked over that time, I'm pretty damn certain they'd be top.
1: And they're not, they're not kidding when you say they pour through the spreadsheets either, are you? <laughs> <laughs> we probably had a little. We, dose. On
2: the group. we had a little dose this morning. I bet you know. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, Tom and I could very easily talk about who the top scorer in the National League is. We might as well come to him now, haven't we? Sam Barrett, Maidenhead up to fourth.
0: I've got to say, so I was at Maidenhead, obviously, for the pre-season friendly um, between Hampton and, well, Maidenhead um, back in September, I think. Uh, and they were so excited that they brought Sam Barrett back. Um, you know, he's obviously gone to South Um I think he had quite a serious injury while at South End, so... For that reason, it didn't quite work out for him. But they were so excited to have brought him back. You know, talk of potentially best player in the division. Um, and whilst that is a pretty big shout, you know, there's a lot of quality players in this league. He's certainly hit the ground running with them. Um, and I think, I think is it, it to incorporate a player of that quality and style has also necessitated a bit of a change in the way that Maidenhead play. Um, you've got to get the ball into feet. You've got to allow Sam Barrett to run at the fences and take those shots, you know, from around the edge of the area that he likes to take, whip those crosses in. Um, and he's having such an influence already.
2: Four or five of those goals were from the penalty spot, but both his goals on Saturday were from open play. And there's no doubt that, that the first one was fortuitous um, in, in terms of the fact that it, it it just deceived everybody, really. I don't think it was particularly intentional, but he's on a really, really rich vein of form right now and uh, it's like it literally he's got the Midas touch and uh, uh, I for one I'm hoping that it dries up a little bit on Tuesday night
1: Yeah it's a good come from behind win as well they fell behind to Chesterfield didn't they so to come back from behind in the second half and win that is it, is it a real statement for Maidenhead
4: No definitely it is and I think it also tells a little bit of a story as to where Chesterfield are at the moment as well because uh, Really struggling to score really struggling to put uh, put teams away um, when they get a goal up and I think I said to Rob on commentary yesterday, when I've seen them they are very, very reliant and it's easy to fall into this trap on Tom Denton on playing balls up to him and um, and working off the off the knockdowns and not really working for them at the moment.
1: let's talk about your little rendezvous guys uh, yesterday or on Saturday. Um, at Altringham, Altringham v Aldershot Chris joined Rob on commentary for BBC Surrey Sport and you had a, a lovely day out despite the weather
2: yeah it wasn't well, the like... greatest of games for sure um, I think one thing that really stands out about yesterday both Aldershot looking at Altringham and Altringham looking at Aldershot would have said this is a really good time to play the opposition it was well known about Altringham's seven or eight injured players they signed three on Friday to, to bolster their squad But the shock was on the day when the team sheets came out. Uh, We had no prior knowledge that Craig Tanner, Aldershot's most potent player this season, has an injury. It looks like a serious one. Um, Confirmation will come in the next few days of exactly what that is and how serious it is. But the skipper, Jamie Sendles-White, was out too. And also Mo Betama. Away on uh, international duty for Libya, he scored on his debut, but it resulted in defeat.
1: Was that a play on Danny Seals' part? Do you think not? Not releasing that before kick-off just to maybe keep Altrincham guessing?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. They would. Altrincham would have planned for the game. Certainly thinking that Craig Tanner was playing. That's for sure. And and he's, and he is the quality of player that 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 you would probably have a plan for uh, in terms of how he can hurt you. Um, but it was a big shock to us, even in with the, within the Aldershot camp, it was kept very, very quiet. Um, but what Aldershot did do in readiness, they brought in, they gave three debuts, uh, Hungbo, a winger from Watford, Mike Fondop, uh played for a lot of clubs at this level, scored a lot of goals. He did hit the ground running. He was very strong, um, you know, solid team performance from him. And and most notably, the chap who came in at the back on loan from Wickham. Let me pass over to Chris, because I think he gave him man of the match.
4: Yeah, I did. Jars Phillips, who was, uh, we didn't know very much about him. Uh, But yeah, on loan from Wickham, American, actually, born in Chicago. (laughs) And um, he had a great game yesterday. He was solid. He had one of them games. Sometimes we talk about referees. They have a great game when you don't notice them. And sometimes centre-halves can have that game as well, because he was just there. He just mopped everything up. He did his job quietly and diligently. And in the first half, he's a threat at set pieces as well. Cause he had a couple of headers that just went, uh, went very close just over the bar. So um, great to slot into a new team and just uh, start like that and really encouraging for Aldershot, I'd say.
2: It was a wonderful um, stroke past finish guided into the net from Chike uh, Candy, who came on as a sub that gave Aldershot their second goal. We didn't realize at the time that would end up being the winner because uh, Tom Pearce did pull one back in the 89th minute. Um, good for all the shot, back-to-back wins. And that happened too many times, um, up to 11. Points.
1: I was going to that's the first thing I thought, is that like you always bemoan the consistency about all the Shot now. And if you can get something at Maidenhead, you go to Rexham where Dean Keats is under pressure next week, despite the potential to take over. All of a sudden, you could be looking at four unbeaten, couldn't yeah. you? And, and then that's a big thing for the They're show.
2: desperate. They're absolutely desperate to put a run together because it's the one thing they haven't really done. They've done okay under Danny Sell for the last year or so. You know, they've always pulled out a result here or there just to keep them clear of trouble. Um, but um, no, uh, right opposition at the right time. You could say the opposite for Tuesday night. Maidenhead will actually come to the EBB. So I'll we'll get a much better look at, uh, at Dev's team who've won, I think, five on the trot after losing the first three. Um, but just a word on Alty, nothing's really gone their way since they came up. Obviously, they're used to success under Phil Parkinson the last couple of years. Um, they've had COVID in the camp. They've had a significant amount of injuries. Um, and uh, I think it would have been a tough season for them anyway, Chris, but it's looking even tougher now, isn't
4: it? Yeah, it is. I think the uh, I think the injuries have, uh, have sort of told the toll. They had a lad on yeah. yesterday, um McDonald, um, Donald, who's come up from the city of Liverpool. So he's moved up a, a few levels and they threw him on for 20 odd minutes at the end. But um, really difficult because having to bring plays in and throw them in straight away. They haven't trained with each other or anything like that. And t- to be honest, I thought, I mean, they did score towards the end when they were throwing the kitchen sink a little bit. They just threw everyone up, really. Um, but it looks difficult for them to find a goal. Matty Koslow played centrally, actually. And I think he would have been the key if they were going to do something. Um, he was trying to sort of spray it around in the in the centre of midfield. But it looked difficult. But I spoke to Phil Parkinson at the end of the game and um, he didn't think it was a bad performance. And he, he did speak about the injury situation and, and the plays he brought in. Phil, it was close in the end. You were knocking on that door, but it just didn't come.
5: No it didn't and as it did against Sollyo midweek as we're having a little spell they've gone and been able to get their second goal which knocks the wind out here a little bit but I felt we more than acquitted ourselves well um, I feel like a broken record at the moment because I feel we're well in games um, but as I just looked at the results again today all very tight games 1-1 I know Kings Lynn have taken a bit of a heavy defeat to Sutton what was it 5-1 or something like that but we've certainly not looked like we're going to be that team who, who gets a hammering but if we get any more injuries it can go the other way so I think the lads the biggest bit of praise I can give the lads is we've, we've been competitive again in a level where the majority of teams are coming up against a full time that's not an excuse it's the world we live in we're pushing our lads to the very limits of what you would ask amateur not amateur because we're not are we but players at this level to do when they have full time employment so I'm very pleased with the the endeavor and the effort and I thought second half some of the quality that we showed is what we're all about and if we can find that level of consistency from start to finish I think we'll'll we'll, it'll stop me standing in front of people like yourself saying we we're unlucky and we'll go on and draw and win more than we lose so and it's vitally important we do that. because if we don't score goals we're not going to stay in this division.
4: No, Phil you have got an injury problems. So you've got uh, I think you've got seven players out at the minute you've had to bring a few more in tell us how far the players are from coming back and tell us a little bit about the players you brought in
5: Yeah so we'll start with the ones that we've got out we've got about four with fractures so they're probably going to be a couple of months uh, if we're lucky with the recoveries and then everybody thinks when they're back everything's alright but they've got to get fit as well so they've been out for that amount of time we've got probably two in Richie Sutton and Andy White who... Andy could be back next week Richie Sutton maybe next week maybe the week after so it's not great in terms of some really key players for us being out long term but it it is what it is and the lads we brought in I think you could see they they give us a little bit of quality there today so Andy Dale's coming in from Scunfork don't think he did a great deal in the game made some great runs that we didn't find him on he's probably not well he hasn't had much game time but unfortunately us being altering them and not being massive spenders um, we have to look at lads who need game time rather than lads who are flying and we can go and pay £50,000 <laughs> because we can't do that so he's done great, he's at the crossbar, another day that goes in um, Alistair's, Alistair Smith from Mansfield really showed that, that classiness in midfield where he's, uh, he's supplied Tom the ball for the finish um, and obviously Jamie McDonald who's come in uh, sort of He's been out of uh, the spotlight for probably two seasons, Jamie, and he's one of them naturally fit lads and he's a natural goal scorer, and I think we're just giving him an opportunity to see if he can hit the levels that I've previously seen. I'd be really interested to see how he develops, to be honest.
4: Played Matty Koslow in a central position today. I haven't seen him play that. I've normally yeah. seen him play cutting in from the, yeah. from the wing or something like that. He could be one of your keys going forward with the, with the experience that he has and the quality.
5: Without a shadow of a doubt, I thought he looks a real menace and a threat without being too much of an actual goal threat Um, but yeah, with his experience and listen, I can't speak highly enough of Matty I've known him a long, long time and I know he'll do anything that we ask of him Uh, his attitude's bang on and um, if that's anything to go by that'll drive lads around him we need that, we need players who are really positive and, and can see what we're up against here and we've never sold anybody false promises we know it's going to be really tough but it's a challenge that we're all enjoying at the moment, no one enjoys losing but I think again anyone who knows football can probably say we're well in games here, there'll be times when we're not, there'll be times when we're outclassed And but fitness wise I'm, I'm really pleased where we're at, I mean we, we get these lads maybe if we're lucky three hours a week, other teams are getting every day um, and the contact's so important and like I said we're pushing everything to the limits with the contact we get with these players so uh, they've been great and if effort's anything to do with it, and we have got quality, uh, we'll turn the corner.
4: Cheers, Phil. Good luck for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and that was Phil Parkinson. The big thing as well, Chris Farrell, you were saying about they had new loan signings and stuff, is the last couple of years they've had a consistent squad, haven't they? They haven't really changed it that much. They brought in the odd addition here or there. So I suppose these injuries are killing them. And um, when you do get them back fully fit, they all kind of know each other. It may well turn the, the corner for them. But I think when you read out the lineup yesterday, there was only about four or five who are normal
4: regulars, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And um, Josh Hancock was was on the bench and that was a surprise, but I found out afterwards he did have a, a bit of a niggle. They had Sean Densmore, who's been there for about 87 years. He was on the bench. So they have got experience. Um, in in the squad as well um, but they didn't they didn't uh, necessarily play yesterday i think look i'm getting sick i'm sounding like a broken record i think me and Dickie, are. we we spoke about jordan hume leaving for for afc Fylde and he was a major source of of goals last season and when you take a goal scorer of that caliber out of the team um it's going to be really difficult to to replace that you've got to remember though altrincham have been a successful team for a few seasons now um, they made the playoffs the last couple of years. They had a, a, a great season in um, in the Evo Stick as it was um, before that as well. So they're also in a bit of an unusual situation here for them uh, at the moment of um, of not really putting the wins together.
1: The other final, well, we'll call it two and a half games because East against Hartlepool was a TV game, and uh, it's fair to say. It was biblical, the weather. I mean, even Matt Smith, the umbrella blew on top of his head at one point, I I noticed, when he was uh, presenting. And um, the ground staff did an amazing job to get the uh, the game on in the first place. But in the end, the weather just beat them, didn't it? And it was abandoned at half-time.
2: If if there's one place you don't want to be when you get a biblical storm like that, it's the Silver Lake. I mean, it's called the Silver Lake (laughs) for that reason, isn't it? No, I mean, they've had horrendous problems now over two or three seasons with the pitch or the drainage or whatever. Um, and it just couldn't withstand it. As you say, it was a great effort. And I think there was real frustration for Ben Strevens afterwards because although it was nil-nil, he felt that uh, his side were having the better of it um, in uh, you know what was a battle of, of two sides who started the day in the top seven. Um, I was disappointed in terms of, how it looked and how it played. I, I was itching to sort of... I played back the TV coverage when I got home and I was expecting to see a game a little bit like that Aldershot Bradford one in the FA Cup a few years ago where there's huge splashes and and like Chris said earlier, you know, tackles starting from 10 yards away. But it wasn't really like that. I think it just got heavier and heavier. The ball started to stick a little bit in the 10 minutes before half-time and, and it just was getting worse. Um, so real shame that both clubs had to go through all the preparation, play 45 minutes and have nothing to show for it.
1: And also Hartlepool have to travel again and in a time when finances are tight. It's probably the last trip they'd Absolutely, wanted. They'll have to fly down because it's right next to Southampton Airport, isn't it? We could get probably get cheap flights at a
5: minute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, the final two games then, um, it finished Barnet 1, Bromley 3. Really good win there for our Bromley down in... North London after Barnett's win last weekend in the the FA Cup. We mentioned that. Joseph Kizzy, James Alarby and Michael Cheek scoring there. And Michael Petrasso pulling one back for Barnett. But I know you wanted to talk, Rob, about Woking and Yeovil.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was interesting in in the fact that um, Woking keep digging out the results, don't they? And Josh Davison on loan from Charlton still keeps scoring. I think it's four games and four goals now. But there was a big swing there uh, towards the end. And poor old Yeovil, who haven't missed a game through covid or anyone else's COVID, they played all eight games that they could have done so far and they still don't have a win. Um, they were heading for it yesterday. Matty Warburton, a name very familiar to uh, a couple of you boys up north um, from his days at Stockport, uh, on loan from uh, Northampton. Put Yeovil ahead just on the stroke of half-time and it looked like they uh, they might well um, Take away all three points until uh, Josh Davison equalised in the in the eighty ninth minute. But in between that, both sides won and both sides missed penalties. So, a question of what might have been for both sides.
1: Interesting as well, actually. You no, know, we mentioned about Sutton and saying is it too early? I mean, like you say, Rob Roval played all their games so far. There's teams above a move got games in hand on them. Should the alarm bell start ringing yet?
0: Absolutely, they should be ringing, um, and I think they are. Um, if not at board level and club level, but certainly with the fans. Um, you know, I've seen a few posts on Twitter this week you put out there that Darren Saul's win percentage at Yeovil is 39%. Um, when you consider that he took over when they entered the National League, Club of Yeovil side, you would really expect that to be higher. Um, you know, I don't think they were bad last season by any stretch of the imagination, but they're really just not clicking this year. Um, how many of us looked at the likes of Courtney, uh, Courtney Dufus and Reese Murphy as potential top scorers, and they've not got either of them firing yet. They had a huge reliance on the loan system last season. I think they brought in about 15 to 20 different loan players across the course of the year, and it looks like they're going to do the same this year. Obviously, there's huge value in the loan market, but when you build your team on them, do you get the same buy-in as you would do? Um, it's got to be very difficult to manage. And, and as you say, those, those alarm bells have got to be ringing because this is a strong league again this year and uh, it's going to start to look a long way up very quickly.
2: And I think most of us had Yeovil in our top sevens for this season. Difficult, challenging time for the likes of Yeovil and Notts County. I'm going to band the two, uh, band the two of them together. When you come down as a big club, it's awfully hard to sort of bounce straight back. One or two clubs have done it and both of these clubs came close last season, but now they're in the difficult second season as, Mm. as it were. Um, and they'll be hoping their supporters that they don't get bogged down here, they don't get stuck down here, and 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 do as I think it's fair and reasonable to say um, a, a Wrexham. And
4: also, and, and not wishing to be the harbinger of doom, but we, this is a, a COVID hit season, and if this season doesn't go the the full uh, the full term, could it be a thirty game season, thirty five game season? All of a sudden, eight games becomes nearly a third of your way through your season. So, um, you know they've got to keep uh, keep an eye on that as well.
1: I was going to say it's interesting you make the point about not counting Yeovil. Do you feel that you almost as a as a team you've come down, you've got to bounce back first time? I know that Norwich did it in the second season, but it almost feels like you've got to do it that first season. Otherwise, you do get stuck a little
4: bit, don't you? I think that history says that, doesn't it, Luke? Uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, how many teams have dropped down and we've looked at them and everyone falls into the same trap every time and thinks, oh, they're going to be, they'll be up there, they'll be um, right back up there. But it does take two, sometimes three, sometimes four seasons, sometimes don't get back up at all. Look at poor mm. <laughs> Um, You know, they've been, they've been stuck there for ages. So, um, yeah, not necessarily always the case, Luke.
1: And finally, Chris as well, Matty Warburton,
4: good good signing that for Yeovil. Well, look, I can I can only go off what I saw at uh, Well, at and Ashton and at, uh, Stockport County, and he's a top top player. He got he probably got that move to Yeovil off the back of uh, a great performance in the FA Cup against them uh, a couple of seasons ago when County went there and beat them when they were a, a league club. Um, but fantastic player knows where the goal is. So he's not an out-and-out striker, really. Plays a kind of a number ten role normally. Um, but great play. I mean, they've got the firepower down there. It's it's one of those strange ones, isn't it? Although Tom went somewhere to explain it with the uh, with the loan signings that they were reliant on last season and stuff.
2: Just a final word on the Premier League, as we call it, the National League Premier. Uh, We haven't made too much discussion of it today and we've done it so much over the weeks. But 24 clubs in the division and only 12 of them completed fixtures yesterday. That's the worst we've had so far with COVID. Um, And that ratio is going to have to improve drastically and quickly if we're going to finish the 2021 season. I think it was Dave Challoner, the Hartlepool manager interviewed on BT Sport uh, Saturday evening, that said... Yeah, they may get it finished, but they'll actually end up playing Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, You look at the injuries that are being picked up at the moment, it's going to be carnage.
1: The argument, though, to that would be that, one, they pay to play football, and two, footballers always say they prefer to play matches and train. So it's one of those, mate, if you're on a winning run, you'd want to just keep going, wouldn't you, I suppose?
0: And that's the other thing, is it? So I agree with that. And actually... That Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday thing is a real negative if only one or two teams are having to do it. You know, you look at uh, Billerickey in the National League South last season where because of their pitch issues, which were caused by, you know, none of us know what, but something. Um, because of those pitch issues, they were forced to play three games a week and it really impacted them because they were the only team doing it. If everybody's doing it, everybody's going to suffer those injuries. Everybody's going to suffer those fitness campaign uh, problems. And so it sort of balanced that across the league. Mm. The other thing I'd say is, yeah, we saw 12 teams, six completed fixtures, but I think that's quite normal at this time of the year anyway. How many other matches would have suffered Eastleigh's fate yesterday Um, if there are going to be games called off with COVID? If the fact that it's around this time of the year, I think you'd probably be seeing quite a lot of games off anyway.
4: Yeah, I think... um... I think my take on it is if they are playing that many games in such a short space of time, it's probably going to favour the teams that can have the luxury of having a bigger squad, um, just by the sheer numbers, <laughs> numbers game. Because um, players will go be going down with injuries, especially if you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays are uh, you know going all the way up to Hartlepool if you're based in the southeast, and then you might have a home game, and then you, you might be back up in the northwest and. And things like that. And I think the teams that have possibly got more resources and possibly got the bigger squads um, may benefit in that situation.
1: Yeah, and also where the uh, the, the use of the loan market will come in and, and free agents and stuff like that. In the National League South, there is only one place to start, I think. And it was probably the big game of the day, wasn't it? Maidstone against Dartford, Kent Derby. Both sides have started the season well, but it's uh, another win for Steve King's side, bouncing back after that disappointment last Saturday against Darkin they've now won two wins on the spin following that
6: yeah huge win for Dartford uh, as you say against their Kent rivals and uh, keeps them right at the top there in the league obviously played a few more games than, than some but uh, no they did brilliantly I say the same things every week about Steve King and Dartford uh, what they did they probably didn't uh, you know have the best of games yesterday but two or three chances they scored two goals win the game, get out there with the three points, really. So um, I think it will be desperate, Steve King, to uh, to win it this season after his uh, previous playoff heartbreak. So, uh, yeah, I think they're definitely still my favourite for it. Yeah,
0: and I think, um, you know, Maidstone's a more difficult place to go this season as well, isn't it? Um, they've strengthened their squad. Um, everyone I'm, I speak to who's played them already in the season says it's a very different outfit. Um, you know, they're a lot more cohesive, a lot stronger. Um, they've brought in, you know, they, they tried some of the maybe the younger players last season, you know, like look at like Justin Am- Amalazor, maybe uh, Ibia Um This season, they brought in the likes of George Porter, um, Scott Rendell up top. You know, they're going with proven quality and and I think that's a really, really credible three points for Dartford.
1: Yeah, another team who have uh, started the season really well and uh, I think the Blackpool defeat last week in the FA Cup was only their second defeat of the season. They lost on the opening day. Uh, they keep on going Eastbourne Borough. Even though they beat Braintree uh, 4-0, they're in, a, they're in a solid fourth place, 14 points after seven games. And Danny Boar's doing a good job there.
0: Absolutely. I think we we had them on the opening day and, and we went down to them at home. Um, and I was surprised. Um, I did, don't really know a huge amount about their squad, to be honest. So I was surprised at how good they were. Um, I was watching on the stream and, and their front three of Charlie Kendall, Charlie Walker and Greg Lewis were just so good. Um, And Dean Cox was immaculate in central midfield. Like everything went through him. uh, Metronomic uh, in terms of like turning the ball over. Um, And it was Walker Kendall got three of the goals yesterday. Um, Charlie Kendall's in unknown from QPR. He looks so ready for men's football. Um, And Charlie Walker is just such a busy player um, and finishes when he gets the chance. Um, I've been really pleasantly surprised by Eastbourne. I actually think they could upset quite a lot of people because, especially as we get into the winter, nobody wants to go away to Eastbourne.
1: And of course, Darren, as well, they had Chris Welkdale scoring the goals at the start of the season. Obviously, he's not now, but it's good that they're chipping in and they've got him to rely on as well. And there is, there is more experience in that squad than you give them credit for.
6: Yeah, I think that's what struck me really and what, what probably gives them a good chance to keep this form going. The likes of, as you mentioned, Welkdale, Cox and, and Walker, I think he's got five goals already now this season. So, you know, assuming they can keep those guys fit and performing, then you'd they expect to uh, to push on and still He'll be challenging up there for the playoffs coming into the season. I thought
0: I was quite surprised when uh, Chelsea had let Welk down. Um, You know, how much could he have added to to what you guys were able to put on the pitch yesterday?
6: Definitely. I don't. I don't think it was purely. a uh, decision from squad he's moved down to, to the area he lives down Brighton way now so that was a fact so was travelling back to Chelsea obviously towards the end of the last season and I think he was offered terms to come back but because of the budget's been cut here it was reduced terms a lot of the players have come back on reduced terms and I guess for him with the travelling as well it just wasn't wasn't practical so I don't think it was a case of uh, not wanting him kind of thing I think and you know he's such a great player such a versatile player he would have uh, would make a huge difference to us but so I'm glad for him to see him doing well down at Eastbourne.
1: Yeah, another team who have started the season well especially with, we mentioned it in the National League uh review about teams coming down and or another team who have come down and unknown manager things like that but they've, they've had a solid start to the season without being spectacular again they lie in them um, Delay in 5th position just below Eastbourne on a goal difference but a good 2-1 win at Chippenham again Chippenham are a decent outfit again this year
6: Yeah I mean um, i expect Tom's big transfer spreadsheet has got a lot of changes there for Fleet. there's a lot of turnaround in the in the off season for them so I think the, the job obviously Dennis Kuchip's come in and, and are coming from uh, obviously abroad to come in and, and do this well I think is, is testament to that so I think they've had a, had a good start for sure and they will be one of the teams up there but Chippenham yeah I think it's four defeats in a row now for them I mean got some good players in a few of the ex-Bath guys have brought in there so they play good football so you expect them to, to be doing better than they are and obviously got some tough games coming up this week now away at Oxford and well maybe a tough game at Chelmsford next week we'll see a big game for both sides that one
1: Tom, what about it the spreadsheet for
0: Ebsleet? Yeah, I mean it is as as Darren alludes to, it is uh, transitional. Um, they, I think they kept on maybe one or two players from last season. Max, um, you know the guy who got both goals from yesterday, Jake Goodman, he's coming from Bromley. Um, I think I was a bit concerned for Ebbsfleet because they've got maybe a little bit of money to spend at this level, but I thought Dennis Kutrib. It's difficult. For a foreign manager coming into the UK at any level, um, got to learn the game, got to learn the the league. But to do it in a non-league where that that sort of wealth and depth of information maybe isn't as available as it is higher up the the pyramid. Um, But from speaking to people in the game, you know, they say that he's got, he he might be the manager who's arranging the team and putting the team out and structuring how they play football. But he's got a very knowledgeable team around him who understand the non-league game, who know the, the sort of the Kent, the Essex, South East England non-league scene. And they're able to help with a lot of the talent ID. Um, so clearly he's got that humility in his in his approach that he's willing to take the advice and listen to knowledgeable people around him. And, and that could be a really, really um, like strong combination.
1: I think you'd need to, wouldn't you? Especially coming over to an... Inter- Literally a foreign league because not only is it a new country for him, but it's a, a brand new league, and it's not like the top division, like you're saying. It's good that um, it's good that he's taking that advice on board, like you're saying. I think that's a big thing to do get get assistants who know the league around you. Even what you see with like experienced managers higher up in, in in England, don't you? Sometimes you drop down to non-league level and, and they think that they'll be they'll be fine because they've coached at a higher level, but sometimes you need that sort of core of people around you know that level
6: for sure yeah definitely it's something I worry about a little bit of Chelmsford in terms of obviously we've got Robbie Simpson coming in a former player and he's, he's assisted by Mickey Spillane again both great careers in the game but you do worry a little bit in terms of their obviously their management experience and obviously knowing the non-league scene really so um, I, I think it's vital to have a, a good, good uh, team behind the manager that, that knows because it's so different he's in it non-league It's so transient in terms of players coming and going and things like that so if you've got a chance to, to pick up these players um that maybe others wouldn't, wouldn't know about, it uh, can be the difference between a
0: successful and a non-successful season. And it's one of those things as well. I think people who don't watch non-league regularly, and, and I'd probably extend it maybe up to League Two as well, players have other jobs. You know, the financial packages and incentives on the table aren't as likely to to drag somebody across the country as they would be higher up the pyramid. So it's not, you know, even if you take a manager from, say, the Manchester Arena and bring them down to manage on the south coast, even even having spent ten fifteen years in non league in Manchester, you've got to know the the region because you're not going to be able to bring players down from the northwest to the south coast when you can offer them maybe £150, 200, 300 quid a week because they've got lives that you know that that level of financial reward doesn't justify completely upsetting um, you know unless you can sort of throw across the city amounts of money at the problem.
1: Yeah, in, interestingly, well, that's what uh, Steve King did. He went to Northwich and Macclesfield. It, didn't quite work out from there, did it? Even though he had a, a decent first season with, with Macclesfield, he, he faded away a little bit. And again, he brought in a lot of players from the London area. So we're going to look now at two teams, or three teams. We're going to look at Hampton, Richmond, Borough in a minute, but we're going to look at Havant and Waterlooville first. They beat fellow second round qualifiers of the FA Cup. Oxford City, I mean... We, We'd recorded a podcast before Oxford City took on Northampton, but what a performance and what a result last week, first of all, for them.
6: Yeah, huge. Um, we played Oxford early in the season and uh, they're very very impressed with the side, obviously, and the manager, David Oldfield, who I spoke to, obviously, a few guys after the game. But they just all look like they you know what they're doing, the very high intensity side. they brought some good players in. Uh, Roberts there who uh, played well again on Monday he was he was excellent against us so um, so yeah they'll obviously be disappointed to, to lose the game yesterday but um, I think on the whole I think they'll be happy with the season so far for sure uh, and as I say they'll be, I think they've only lost one game I think, is it possibly in the oh no sorry, two game two two league defeats in a row for them obviously but uh, I think they will be happy with the start they've made
2: Yeah I know
0: that, um, that our, the captain at Hampton and Richmond Borough said that in his opinion Oxford were the best side that we'd played um uh, up to that point uh, obviously it was Hampton's first win of the season to beat them 2-0 but he said he was very impressed with Oxford as a side um, I've been quite surprised by Sam Magri's goal scoring run mm. at the start of the season um, three goals already this season um, it's not not maybe the person you expected to be bolstering the haven't attack but I saw that they clearly pulled Doswell decided as he wanted to bring in a bit more firepower so he's gone back to Danny Kedwell this week who's mm. um, had basically Haven't and Hollands and Blair I think in step mm. five yeah. Uh, and now come back up to to haven't this week. So be interesting. Obviously scored in midweek. Be interesting to see how long he continues that.
1: Yeah, one defeat for Havent so far, looking ominous. And they've got they have got the games in hand, and they've got the FA Cup ties coming up as well. Um, they travel to Marine in that one, so they're, they're actually going to be the uh, the favourites in that one. So they could well reach third round and, and we know Doswell's don't got that pedigree in the in the FA Cup so that could well become a distraction for them in the league as well because again they'll be put but in this season everybody's going to be catching up I suppose as we talked about earlier
6: I think there's a chance as well they're, they're due to play Bath on Tuesday and obviously Bath had their last two games postponed for mm-hmm. Covid reasons so I think there's a fair chance of that one might go as well so they could be a case of those being a, you know, obviously doing well but being quite behind on games so whether that will become a factor as you say with the Cup ones as well going forward but we'll see
1: I suppose, yeah, they'll have a good rest before that FA Cup game now, won't they? So, uh, that'll help in that way. And uh, obviously, you boys faced off yesterday, not not personally, of course, your two teams, <laughs> uh, Chelmsford and, and, and Hampton, and uh, I'll shut up and let you two chat about it. <laughs> go and tell me so, exactly.
0: I'll, so, yeah, I'll go first. So, it's obviously my first time ever coming to Chelmsford. Um I'd say, first off, is, it's pretty... Desolate at times, particularly in the driving wind and rain that we had yesterday. But I mean, it's clearly a great facility for the community. But with, I just can't get on board with uh, stadiums with athletics tracks around the pitch. Um, but the main reason I mention that is because the fact, the lack of the, the exposure made it a really difficult day for both sides yesterday. The wind made it so hard for either team to play. Um, you always think like wind, well, if you keep it on the floor on the deck, you're fine. But sat beside the goal with the corner flag almost horizontal next to me, um, gave you some impression that no matter where that ball was, that was being impacted by the wind. Um, so, you know, credits both teams that they they managed to put on like a, a moderately watchable game. Um, it was pretty tight. I thought it was pretty even, but uh, yeah, it was Hampton that took, took the three points through Wilson Carvalho. And I have to say, I thought, I thought his introduction was probably what swung it in Hampton's favor. I thought he was almost unplayable when he came on. Um and, and Danny Imre at right back looked like a broken man uh, after half an hour of, of facing up against Carvalho.
6: Yeah, he's only seventeen. Obviously, come to the side last year he's done brilliantly. But yeah, against obviously a player of Carvalho's quality, uh, yeah, you could see he was he just couldn't handle him. Unfortunately, could he for unfortunately for us. But it's uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the red card was a factor as well. But I think you were probably starting to already sort of come into the game then. I think you could tell both sides. Struggled a little bit on goal scoring this season. Probably the ch- they had quite a few chances early on, didn't they? In the first sort of ten, fifteen minutes, I think both sides had a couple of good chances each, but couldn't couldn't capitalise. And uh, as you say, towards the end, until Carvalho come on, really start to he made that difference with that great finish. So, yeah, I think probably a deserved win for Hampton in the end. But I uh, say, it could have been a different game uh, depending on maybe who got that first goal and uh, who took that chance first.
0: Worth noting as well that both sides were in a bit of an injury crisis. I mean, Hampton are missing. Charlie Wasmer, Dean and Luke Riddick, Ruddick, Sam Cox, obviously Chelmsford. I think we were astonished when we saw the team sheet. You had about seventeen centre forwards on the pitch because there's no <laughs> midfielders in the squad at the moment.
6: Yeah, for for all four centre midfielders out uh, for various reasons. So yeah, that's obviously difficult. You got. A couple of defenders really We have played in midfield to be fair but obviously you just lose that cohesion don't you really and you say you've got three or four attacking players on which you think would lead to lots of great attacking play but it doesn't quite work like that does it? you've got to get the balls to them so uh yeah so we didn't really apart from that early on we didn't create enough really so um yes yeah, I think Robbie Simpson said after the game the change room the, the players that are a long talk and stuff really to talk about things again and probably not so much just about this game but I think obviously the defeat on Monday against against Tunbridge as well so yeah it's a difficult rookie manager it'll be interesting to see uh, how the team bounces back uh, next week against Chippenham I was going to say 19th think-
1: in the division um, Hampton have won the last three have lost the last two so it's almost like even though you, you're together in a table at the minute, they're both in kind of a little opposite directions, maybe. And I think the other
0: thing as well, which I would I would draw out of it from a Hampton perspective is uh, Tyrell Miller-Rodney was once again exceptional in centre midfield. That guy broke up everything. Um, you know, you close your eyes for a, a second. He was there. Um, he was so good. And he's now suspended for a week following his sort of moment of madness against Oldham. Um Matches coming against Hemel on Tuesday and then Bath on Saturday. It you know, it's gonna be a poser for Gary McCann how he replaces Tyrell because that energy is so important to how Sam Deadfield and Jake Grey are able to then impose themselves higher up the pitch. So, you know, credit to, to Miller Rodney for just how well he's played, not just yesterday, but the last three matches really. Um but he will be missing. I know you're
1: no, I know you've been raving about the defense as well at Hampton Some saying how solid it is, and I suppose he's a big part of that. And, and you just feel if they get it right at the top end of the pitch, someone's going to get a thumping soon, is what you said. Well, sort of yeah. words to that effect.
0: Words to that effect. Yeah, I mean, the quality is absolutely there in the final third. You know, Ryan Gondo, who's coming on, dual Reg from Whiteleaf, um, Nico Muir is. We know all about his his ability, um, but it, it just needs to click that little bit more. And that's the other thing as we're going to say as well is we brought in Ryan Gondo from Whiteleaf on dual registration. Um, there are some really good players at step three and step four who obviously aren't allowed to play at the moment. Um, Hemel brought in uh, Lyle Delverde, Uh Sorry, Hemel have brought in a couple of players. Uh, Welling have brought in Lyle Deliverdi from Enfield. He's scored twice already. Um, there's there's ability there. And if the management teams can spot it, there's a real like bit of impetus they can add to their squads for the next month.
1: It's, it's a nice little loophole, isn't it? I know... Um... My club did it. We sent a couple of players on loan to Farsley. If you're contracted at step three or four, why not send them out on loan to a National League South club or even a National League club, even if it's just a cover, just to keep yourself ticking over, things like that. And like you say, oh, Jill Reggie, I think it's, um, I'm surprised we haven't seen more clubs doing it. I think it's a smart thing to do because then, when step three starts up again, that player's firing and ready to go and playing it, and, and playing against good opposition as well.
0: Absolutely. I saw, um, you know, I, I've been really impressed with Hayes and Yedding so far this season with their FA Cup run. Their captain, Liam McDevitt, and one of their centre forwards, Omar Rowe, they went out on loan yesterday to Hemel Hempstead. Um, and by God, Hemel need a bit of a bolstering because uh, they're struggling at the moment. Yeah, Billy
6: Knott turned up at Billeriki yesterday where he played the full 90 minutes. Bowles and Pittsy, so he put in a good format say you know his quality, so no doubt help them towards the win against Slough, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly.
1: Yeah, I mean we'll uh, we'll get on to Billy Ricky shortly. Um but like you say, Hemel, they had a good winning. Um they had a good win last week and then Dartford went there and won comfortably and he played Welling, who you saw last week, Darren and I said, was, was it good Chelmsford or was it um <laughs> or was it well being bad and you said a, a bit of both, but uh Vital win that for Welling against Hemel, and you think they'll both be kind of down there. So it's good for them to take points off, off a rival.
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I thought they may struggle. Obviously, budget, I imagine, been cut from a few years ago when Steve King was there at Welling. But, yeah, you know, Bradley Quinton's done well in similar circumstances at Braintree, obviously getting those up. Um, but, yeah, scrolling through a lot of players, as you say, they brought Lyle Deliverde in, this was good. Yesterday, but I know, maybe it's just a case of he's just scrolling through players, seeing what sticks and see what players work. But it can't be good, as you talked about earlier, in terms of consistency. It can't be good for the side to to constantly be changing players. But they'll be glad to get the win. And by the sounds of it, Hemmo had a lot of chances themselves, and probably be Lee Birch and we're very frustrated that they didn't uh, didn't pick up the result there. But now important to get their first win the board. They probably played a lot of less games than others, so probably not as bad as it looked. But still, yeah, as you say, they're both going to be down there. I think I can't see either of them. Should not
0: be on beyond mid-table. I mean, it's a it's a point that I've made a few times this season, and I'm sure you know you've you've looked at it at, at, at Chelsea as well. Is the fact that only one club goes down this season? I think there's going to be quite a few teams looking quite quite grateful that Braintree are in the league.
4: <laughs>
0: definitely, yeah. No, I don't know if that's the only benefit to Braintree at
6: the moment. They look far adrift, but because there's, there's only one team going down, I've only got to overhaul one team, haven't they? But yeah, yeah. they definitely look the favourites to me. Yeah. Uh, let's let's say start using this national uh, lottery money to uh, boost this club. <laughs>
1: but the one thing you would say about Spraintree is they're only one point away. They're only one win away. Sorry, from uh, being level with Bath, albeit they've uh, they've conceded a lot more goals and they've played a few more games. But they're not cut adrift as such, are they?
0: They're not cut adrift. No, you're right. And and Bath being down there is is quite surprising. But they have only played five. But they're not cut adrift. But the four teams directly above them have all played fewer matches. Braintree have played seven, they've lost seven, and they've got a goal difference of minus 15. Um, that is not only is that not a good start to the season, it's difficult to see where you pick the morale up. Um,
1: what Tom, sorry, I was, I was going to say, you mentioned about Dulwich last year, you felt that a lot of their fans felt they would have gone down if the season had have finished, and, and if they've started the season in
0: that same vein, haven't they? They have done, yeah, and I, I've been you know I, oh. I really rated Gavin Ray's. I was quite surprised by the way he was perceived at Dulwich but yeah a lot of their fans felt that if the season had gone through to conclusion they would have gone down and...
1: I'm guessing my point is always like can Braintree take heart from that in knowing that Dulwich ran a bad run themselves and they could maybe leapfrog them because like I said they're only one win above putting Dulwich into that bottom spot
0: yeah yeah it's possible I mean it, you've and they've got to seek solace somewhere like they've got to look at something and say well actually you know there is like at the end of the tunnel on this run um You know, I'm just looking at their upcoming fixtures. Who have they got? So their next two matches, they've got Concord at home and Tunbridge away. Both of those are eminently winnable. And then they've got Welling. Um, You take six points from those three matches, all the things, sudden things to look quite a lot more rosy. I think they'll be looking at that and saying, Concord at home and Welling at home, we should be winning both of those. Um, If you want to stay up in this league, you should be beating Concord and Welling at home. Um, you know, no disrespect to them, but you, you win your matches at home against the sides that are likely to be around you in the table. They take six points from that. It, look, there's a whole different complexion on things.
1: Talking of another Essex club, I mean, Darren mentioned it a few minutes ago. Bill O'Rickey, or they were Jamie Harry's been in, under massive pressure from the fans. Um, good squad this year, but the turn he looked, um, he, he, he sort of blamed himself a couple of weeks ago for a defeat and said they'll look to change it. And, and boys, he had. Boy, has he done they've won the last two uh, really good win against Slough on Saturday and they're now up to 13th in the table albeit they've still conceded more than they have scored but uh, that's a massive shot in the arm for Rickey.
6: definitely yeah it's um, obviously friends of the show Jake Robinson again doing, doing the job there six goals I think this season to so get a hat-trick didn't he uh, in their previous win but yeah now it's a massively important win Um, as as I said to you before they're on a terrible run in terms of a couple of wins in 20 odd so um, to come back with those two is is vitally important I mean obviously it looks like it's a game of uh, two halves so really in terms of that big decision or big moment of Ryan Bird getting his second yellow card just for half time and then straight away a minute after Jake Robinson scores and then settles them down then obviously Joe Reason uh, with the clincher later on but yeah I mean obviously they're not the squad that it was in the days of Tamplin but still uh, I think a lot of people were tipping them to be pushing up there for the playoffs. So uh, to sort of start the way they did was disappointing. So yeah, they'll hope that this is a, a boost for them to kick them off and, and uh, hopefully push up the table and, and, and deliver on that promise. Really.
0: Yeah, I know. Jake Robinson thing is it's a big, big one. there. he he wasn't in the starting lineup at the start of the season. Uh, I think O'Hara was looking at different options. You know, obviously Jake's what thirty in his early thirties now. They're looking to the future. Um, but as soon as he's come back in, he's done what he always does and started scoring goals. You know, that guy—if he plays thirty games in a season—will score twenty goals, no question. Um, no,
1: um, I know Jamie Harrow was asked that like, after their last defeat, and he said he knows what Jake Robinson can do, and he basically said that he's obviously he's not getting any younger. They've got to look at other options, but he knows when he puts him in, he'll score. So it wasn't a case of he doesn't rate him or he doesn't think he's good enough for the team. It's just obviously. He's got to utilise the squad as well. But, like you say, O'Hara's probably gone back to
0: basics, chucked him in, and, and he scored.
4: At the end of the day,
0: in the league campaign, results are king. And yeah, you might want to try and future proof and plan for the future. And he, he has been doing that, you know, bringing in the likes of Josh Hutchinson from Potter's Bar. He is looking to the future. But you've got to put the points on the board first and foremost. Um, and whilst I personally, like, yeah, I don't, and I'm sure Darren would agree, I wouldn't have had Bill Ricky down as my favourites for the league. The bookies did. Um, and so there was, although we all know that the bookies are not great at non-league, um, there was an element of expectation there.
1: And the final game then, Darkin, good win against Tunbridge. You've had an up and down start to the season, but Darkin after their, uh, after their good win against Dartford last week, they had a blip against Hungerford the week before, but they're uh, they're looking pretty solid, aren't they?
6: Yeah, definitely. Um, again, probably with, with Dartford and having obviously the three... Uh, of my tips really to go up and obviously Jason Pryor stepped up recently in a big way another uh, hat trick yesterday I think seven goals now the clear top scorer in the league Wes Fogden yeah. another one good player coming in and scores yesterday and they just look like a, a good side I know what they're doing especially off to, on their home pitch obviously uh, very strong there so and you imagine if they need to they'll bring in more players themselves if they need to really push on to, to uh, force for that promotion but yeah I think the they bounced back from us he was very scathing wasn't he in that defeat at Hungerford so uh, they've obviously listened to him and come back strong and won uh, those next few games.
1: Yeah, I think he called. It, did he call it pathetic the performance at Hungerford? Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they certainly uh, they certainly bounced back, haven't they? And Tom caught up with Jason Pryor to talk about his side's start to the season.
0: I'm joined by Jason Pryor, um, Dorking Wanderers centre forward, uh, who's off the back of a nice little hat trick as Tunbridge Angels. Uh, Jason, that's seven goals for the season for you so far. You're now out on your own in the uh, in the lead for the race for the Golden Boot in the National League South. How, uh, how are you feeling this season?
7: Yeah, obviously really good. Um, yesterday was nice personally, to get, always nice to get a hat-trick, um, but I think it's just um, sort of a result of how well um, all the lads have started the season. Um, so, it's, yeah, been a good one so far.
0: You're up to second now, four points behind, Dartford, but you have two games in hand. Um, the two, those two sides were a lot of people's uh, tip uh, along with haven't really to be at the top end of this season is promotion definitely what your your ambition is this year?
7: Yeah I think um, when you look at the squad that the manager's built um, I think it's got to be sort of what we're looking for really I think he'd say that himself I don't think he'd want us to shy away from um being ambitious or saying you know we'd just be happy with playoffs Uh, I think we've got a squad that's uh, capable of if we uh, put a consistent run together I think we're definitely capable of challenging this year
0: and obviously for yourself you know you've been joined by Alfie Rutherford at the back end of last season he's someone you've played with before how important is it having that sort of consistency of partner up front
7: yeah I think uh, it's very important really I think um, since I've been at Dorking, I haven't really had a partner that I've played with consistently, consistently, and built up that uh, relationship with. And obviously, playing with Alfie at uh, Bogner and Haven, we've we've almost sort of got a pre-made uh, partnership there. So it's good to be back with him. Yeah.
0: Um, and so on uh, talking about yesterday's game against Tunbridge you won 4-0 uh, I think most people would have expected you to win that beforehand uh, but 4-0 victories are always sending a statement is that how you want to play you know beating teams with big score lines attacking football is that something that Mark White really sets out to do
7: yeah I think that it's um, the sort of brand of football that, it, that he wants to play with, we, we're probably a little bit more expansive with our style of play than a lot of teams in our league um, so it's naturally quite attacking. And uh, when we have good days, then uh, we're more than capable of putting four past people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on a personal note, obviously you top scored in the season that haven't and Waterloo went up. Um, but then I think it was family reasons you made the decision to, to not push on to that next level because of the travel. Is that something you'd yeah. be looking forward to testing yourself at this time around?
7: Um, yeah, I think so. When I was at Haven, we had uh, our first was due um, um, during pre-season, so obviously I didn't want to commit to having with newborn baby on the way. Obviously, it would put a lot of strain uh, on my partner um, and work commitment. So I think it was probably with the Haven thing. It was a bit of not wanting to commit. Uh, to the unknown, really, but mm. so we've got two now, um, and obviously nice and settled. So uh, I think if if we were if we were to go up, then yeah, it would be good to have a crack at it next year.
0: Yeah, I mean you've scored goals at absolutely every level you've been at, but that national league level is still it's sort of that one one testing ground that you that you haven't been able to uh, to test yourself against yet.
7: Yeah, I think um, obviously when I, I signed for Wimbledon, when I was about. 23 and broke my leg um, a couple of games into being there uh, which was a bit of a killer really so I didn't get to have a go at League 2 and then after that I went to Dartford when they were in um, Conference National and then um, I think sort of a quarter of the way into the season there I broke my ankle and needed another operation so um, unfortunately that sort of just came at a bad time for me that Hmm. opportunity there so but I think, obviously, having sort of a good, a good spell at Bogner Haven and now Dorking under my belt, uh, I'd fancy my chances if we, if we did have a go at
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. And and just the last one really was um, when you made that decision not to, to continue with Haven. What was it yeah. about Mark White and Dorking that attracted
7: you? Um, well, I think obviously, um, people that know Mark, Mark know. Um, how ambitious he is, and sort of what sort of a character he is. So he just sold me his um, vision for the club, where he wanted to take it. Um, and obviously moving into a new a new ground, which was uh, which was nice. So I think all of that sort of put together, um, I was just sort of excited for what he for what he uh, had planned for the club. So and obviously it's panned out that way so far. So um, yeah, hopefully he could just keep going on a similar level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, his record speaks for himself. He's overdue a promotion now, isn't he?
7: Oh yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's a British record how many promotions the club have got. And I think um, they've been going now for just over 20 years. So um, they've gone from playing park football to sort of being not a million miles away from being in the National League. So it's it's an unbelievable story. So, and... uh, as I said, people that know him know that he's not gonna be <laughs> happy consolidating
0: for long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, thanks very much for joining us today. Um congratulations on the hat trick yesterday and good luck for the rest of the season.
7: No problem. Nice one, cheers.
1: And again it shows we go on about Mark White quality. Mark White's quality, he's not just chairman, it just shows what a good manager he is to get him to bounce back from that.
0: Yeah, he's he's really good, I think. I um you know, I'm never not impressed by Mark White. Um he speaks very clearly and very passionately about the game he he's learned you know he's he's paid his dues coming up through the levels admittedly with the same club but he has come up from county football um he knows the game he knows the players that he wants uh every season he tends to drip feed two or three squad improvers into there whether they're going to come straight into the first team or whether they're just there to improve depth he he seems to have this knack of improving the squad without unbalancing it every single year consistently, and that's a really difficult skill. Do you think? Um, do you think he's he's really um,
1: underrated as a manager? One, because he's chairman and everyone thinks, oh, he's just a chairman, so he wants to be a manager. And two, because of the way he dresses on the touchline, he dresses like a rapper sometimes, doesn't he? And do you think people look
0: at that and think, oh, well, he's just in there because it's his his like plaything? There's an element of that. There's also an element that everybody knows that Dorking are able to spend money at this level. When that is the case, there is always a temptation to underrate the manager that's doing it. Um, you know, at any level of football, Guardiola's a fraud. He only achieves what he achieves because he can spend money wherever he goes. Mourinho is never good. He just spent money to win. I'm sorry, but you, that's just not the case. You've still got to put a team together. You've still got to make those parts fit. You still, you've still got to, you know, money brings its own challenges. You've got to balance squad ambitions. You've got to balance playing time requirements. The reality is, he's a good manager, um, and. They're talking absolutely where they are on merit, not on money.
4: Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer.
3: Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search 1U.
1: We'll start off, Dickie, we've got to start off at the top of the league, Gloucester City. You saw them on Tuesday evening when he took on Telford. He scored four goals there, and they also scored four goals on Saturday, but not in a winning cause this time.
3: No, they didn't. No, I mean, it's we would always pretty much always start with the team that's top of the league. But if you're talking about what ended up being the game of the day, I think it was the game of the day as well. A four, four draw with Bradford Park Avenue. a game that swung back and forth, back and forth between the two sides. And and yeah, I mean, a, 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 an incredible game. And we, we, we were hearing the score coming through from the, from the game we were at um, Telford and Darlington. And then the league just seemed to be changing hands, you know, every five minutes.
1: And I noticed, um, the three main, the uh, the triumphant up front, the Asante, McClaw and Mensah all on the score sheet as they were on Tuesday. I mean, is there a better front three in the division?
3: Certainly doesn't look to be at the moment now. I mean, I can only speak from what I saw on Tuesday night and, um, you know, my Telford team were level at 1-1 with them. Uh, at half time and, and the goal from an Aquasi a Asante penalty but I felt we were we were you know well in the game at that point but then in the second half yeah Sante added another one Mensa added the third Matt McClure headed the fourth they just absolutely tore the game away from us in the space of about 15-20 minutes with you know with finishing that's for the level we're at absolutely top draw and and yeah you, you you look at them and and the number of goals that they're scoring particularly at home i mean i don't know whether the sides are arriving at new meadow park a little bit tentative because of it being an artificial surface um but you know if if you don't go there prepared to sort of with a plan to try and stop those three you're probably going to come away on the on the losing side and you know you you've got to give huge credit for bradford park avenue yesterday i don't think that was a result that many people Foresaw, but you know, to score four goals of their own, um, yeah, tremendous point for them, a really good point, and I think it possibly says more about the, the direction that Bradford Park Avenue are moving in. Than Gloucester. I mean, you can almost say that Gloucester, where they are, is almost expected with the, with the kind of firepower that they've got. But since Mark Bower went in at Radford Park Avenue last season, he's slowly turned things around, slowly got things going in the right direction. Um, you know, they 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 were they were looking in with a, a chance of pulling away from those relegation places when the season uh, had a halt drawn to it rather unceremoniously. Um, and, yeah, he seems to be getting the band back together again. It, it seems to be working for Mark Bower second time around.
1: Yeah, I mean, you'd be disappointed scoring four goals away from home and not, obviously, and only getting a draw. But um, does that say, do Gloucester to you look like they, they can go up this year? I mean, or is there question marks over the defence, seeing it as it conceded four at home?
3: It's difficult to say. I mean, I suppose... To to say that based on perhaps one the evidence of one game yesterday, you know a four four, I, I I did going into the game with Telford, I think that was my um, my hope it didn't come to fruition on the night. That that yes, their forward line is is very good, but defensively, I didn't feel <clears throat> you know that they were you know an impenetrable object that was being placed in front of us, and and obviously bradford park haven't he found that yesterday so yeah if there if there is an achilles heel then maybe it is the defense but you know if if you can with a number of goals they're putting away that it's almost like you know two six-gun shooters meeting one another in the middle of the street and saying you know we'll just get the more shots off than you and and um <clears throat> chances are more of them will hit the target
1: spending more or well, spending filed a second but they didn't play their game was called off although they got a good win against Spennymoor in midweek but Spennymore did bounce back on Saturday with a win at fourth place at Southport and it means they leapfrog Southport and now Spennymoor and go into third
3: yeah it's a it's a good result for for Spennymoor town you know we played Southport last week and um had to dig out a point against them so you know you you have to work for what you get against the Leon Watson side Having said that, I, I read some comments from, from Liam Watson after the game yesterday. I don't think he was hugely impressed with his own team's performance. He said, um, you know, he could have made a number of substitutions, but unfortunately only has three, which doesn't say a lot for what he thought of his team's performance. Southport also had a penalty saved in the in the second half. Uh, David Morgan, normally so reliable from the spot, such a key man for Southport, but Dale Eve saved his penalty, which would have cut the deficit. Um Southport were already 2-0 down by that point. A, a, a an Adam Blakeman goal after three minutes, a deflected free kick, and then Glenn Taylor adding the second after twenty-one minutes. And it doesn't sound as if it was exactly plain sailing for Spennymore from now on, from there on. But yeah, it, it, it's a it's a comfortable win and a good win for them. And they're again sort of justifying my prediction, dare I say it, that that they'd be towards the top of the table again.
1: In fifth position are your boys, Dickie and Again, uh, the only team in the top seven to have scored double figures, but you've also conceded eleven. So it must be pretty entertaining, but frustrating in equal measure. Although Telford did win on Saturday,
3: yeah, and, and that does tend to be the way of things under, under Gavin Cowan as manager. I have to say, you know, he's got a he's got a particular way that he wants to go about the game. We we do here. You know, some grumbles about the fact that as a former defender, you know, they, people don't feel that we should be letting in as many goals as we do. Um, but at the same time, he, he has a commitment. He wants to to score goals and he wants to try and entertain. So yeah, it's one of those things that, unfortunately, in trying to do that, we sometimes leave the back door open. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It, it paid off yesterday. It was a, a really good 2-1 win away at Darlington, particularly to bounce back from that 4-1 lost at Gloucester in midweek and yeah, Telford got a number of injuries at the moment as well. Um, Courtney Mepp and Walter joined them in the, the summer. He's out injured. Brendan Daniels is the key man. He's injured. Henry Cairns out as well. They had Jack Burns suspended. Um, added a couple of players on Friday in one of which included, um, well, it was Andy Bond who was at, at York for the last two seasons, also a former file player. Um and yeah, yeah, it was a good result goal from Jason Oswell. That was levelled by Erico Souza before half time. But then early into the second half, Don McHale, a player you know from from his time in the Northwest, came up with his second goal in a week to add to the fact that he became a father last Sunday. So he's had a, a, a rather momentous week. And yeah, that secured the three points for Telford.
1: Absolutely, Boston and Kidmans they didn't play either. In ninth place, uh, Alfredton, a good win for them over Farsley after a, a couple of defeats recently.
3: Yeah, and I think Alfredton came to Telford a few weeks ago and, and um, got a 1-0 win in what looked very much like a textbook away performance from Billy Heath's team. I think they then took a point from Fylde in, in midweek and I think they were unbeaten from the start of the season up to that point and, and yeah, feeling pretty optimistic. But then, yeah, the bubble... I wouldn't say burst, but had uh, the, the balloon had some air let out of it over the last couple of games. But yeah, they bounced back yesterday with a, a good three-one win over Farsley Celtic. Who I think themselves were going into that game something like three unbeaten. Um, all the scoring before half time: James Jones putting Alfreton into the lead. Uh, Elliot Reeves then put them two-one up after an Adam Clayton equaliser brought it back to one-one. Jake Day added the f- third goals right on the stroke of half time. No more scoring, but yeah, job done in the first half for Alferton yesterday.
1: Yeah, interestingly as well, in terms of Farsley, they've played eight games um, along with Blythe, and, and neither of them are, are ripping up any trees. So, is that we spoke about this in the, in the other divisions? Is it, um, is it a worry that you've played eight games and maybe only got five or six points, considering other teams have games to play?
3: I think potentially so. Yeah. I mean, the, the the whole table's got a strange look to it at the moment. I mean, I think it's quite commonly heard people say, oh, you know, don't read too much into the table until at least 10 games have been played. But that would normally assume that most teams would arrive at the 10 game market around the same point. I mean, you've got Guiseley, who so far have only played three league games and have got four points. And it, it's, it's so hard to judge who is genuinely in form at the moment because... Um, you know, with, with suspensions in, you know, activity for the space of a couple of weeks or so, you don't know how teams are going to be when they come back out of that. So, yeah, it's the the, the league table is going to have a strange look about it. And I think I, I ventured a suggestion um, on our way back from Darlington that um, it, it could be that we're sort of like until we get half to two thirds of the way through the season, we're probably not going to have a genuine idea Um, although I think Gloucester probably, there might be a few Gloucester fans who disagree with that, they're certainly feeling quite bullish about their chances at the moment
1: Yeah uh, we'll look at um, Brackley now, who are in fifteenth. I saw them on Tuesday, evening. they picked up their first win of the season remarkably, but they've drawn too many as well, but it was a confident 2-0 win at the aforementioned Alverton Uh, Trey Mitford scored, and also Shane Byrne directly from a corner and I caught up with the victorious boss, Kevin Wilkin, after the game.
8: You must be really pleased, with that especially after Saturday's exertions. Exactly that, yeah. The, um, you know, we we identified that, the, you know, the emotion that was um, exerted on Saturday was more than perhaps was ideal. Yeah. Um, but you know, to come through that game and dust ourselves down, and we knew him we for a real battle tonight. Alfred started pretty well, and um, you know, they're a strong side, very physical, capable players about their ranks, and. Very respectful of what Billy's uh, doing here. Um, so, like you say, we knew it was going to be tough, and we'd have to be right on a game. And fortunately, we were. Were you, were you worried about any sort of fatigue or anything like that creeping in? I mean, did the second goal help in terms of the energy levels? I think so. I think it gives you that little bit of cushion. And we've, you know, we've been guilty of, uh, of giving away leads like that this season. Uh, home to Kers, and we, you know, two-nil uncomfortable and, and end up giving two penalties away that lend you know allow them to then take something from the game which is disappointing we're, you know we're searching for a first win this season as well and so there was you know, plenty on tonight we needed to get up and running and um, knew it wasn't going to be easy but certainly as you say getting a second goal just gives you that bit of cushion and keeping a clean sheet is a bonus for us we're really you know, we were really struggling with numbers tonight. We've obviously had to name Mark on the bench with the greatest respect. That's not ideal with injuries and yeah. losing a couple of players. One gone back to his parent club, and one isolating. We were, we were really stretched tonight, but I have to say, great credit to the to the lads. You know, they they've they dug in and worked really hard, and I think we deserved it in the end.
1: Experienced squad. I'm sure you're not worried ahead of the FA Cup, are you? That they'll take their eye off the ball
8: now, will they? Hopefully not. I mean, you know, you look at the league and every time you look at it for any manager it doesn't get any easy for any of us um, some fantastic sides in there really competitive sides and it, it kind of has a bit of an open look about it I may be wrong but um, you know Gloucester's going ex- exceptionally well uh, Fylde will be strong York will be strong Spenningwall's strong you know that's that's to name but a few um, so again you know, nothing's taken for A long, long way to go, and let's just hope that we, you know, we can get the season finished and, um, you know, a, a, a hopefully a positive outcome for us.
1: Yeah, hopefully you'll be up there
8: knocking it about with the big boys, won't you? Well, we hope so. You know, we've we've been unfortunate in the playoffs over the last probably three seasons. We've done very well to get there and, and, and compete like we have, um, but you know, us like all the rest want to take that extra step now and, and, and try to get to the next level. And as I say, it's mm-hmm. it. it it doesn't get any easier. Um, mightily competitive, but that's why we love the competition.
1: And that was Kevin Wilkin, and he mentioned about them drawing too many. Well, exactly the same thing happened on Saturday, although I think he'll be more pleased with this draw, won't he?
3: Absolutely, he will. Yeah, they, they pulled out um, a 2-2 a draw away to Gateshead but particularly so with when they were trailing 2-0 with just five minutes to go. They uh fallen behind two goals from Macaulay Langstaff in the first half, and then Greg Olley added the second on the hour mark. It, it, you'd normally think that would be game over. You know, Gates are a pretty strong proposition at their own international stadium. But Trey Mitford, you mentioned in there. He was at Kettering last season. He joined Brackley just before the start of the season and, and he's been adding a few goals for them. He got them on the board in the 86th minute. And then Leon Love, flexing his muscles, added a second right on the stroke of full time to get a 2-2 draw for Brackley. And yeah, that's that's a good point for them. They uh, perhaps have a reputation as being slightly slow starters in the division, but they, they kind of always come good. Um, and yeah, they, they wouldn't want to be in 15th position at the moment, but... Only five games played. I still think Brackley will be towards the top of the table when we get to the the, the reckoning in in April, May time.
1: I just uh, just want to get your thoughts on, I know we touched on it earlier, your game at Darlington. What did you make of Darlington? They had that win in the FA Cup and then, I mean, they've not had a great start. One win out of four. Um, It's almost like they've taken their eye off the ball a little bit.
3: Yeah, I've not managed to have watched all of Alan Armstrong's post-match interview yesterday, but I did pick up one quote from it where he said, we're too much of a soft touch. Um, I obviously wasn't entirely thrilled by his team's performance yesterday. I think I'd read that they were four games unbeaten going into that game against Telford yesterday, but I, I assume that would include their FA Cup ties that have taken them through to that point. I mean, they got a fantastic win away against Swindon in the FA Cup last week. Mm. Um But yeah, you do have to, I suppose, there will be questions about whether the FA Cup is, you know, it, it can be a welcome distraction, but that's still a distraction. Uh, it Certainly almost at the same point last season, Telford went there to play them when they were due or they, I think they had their FA Cup replay on TV against Walsall coming up just a few days later. Um Strolled into a 2-0 lead against Telford, but then just, just stopped playing in the second half and lost 3-2. And similar situation yesterday, 1-1 at halftime, but it was the second half that Alan Armstrong wasn't happy with. And it, it's always a really difficult one. You know, you think players would be... Um, keen to put themselves in the manager's thoughts with, you know, an FA Cup tie away at Bristol Rovers to come. You know, even we haven't got the supporters in, it's still a big occasion. Players want to be involved in that. doesn't sound as if too many from Darlington pressed their claims particularly hard with Alan Armstrong yesterday.
1: Another manager who will be a bit unhappy is is Paul Cox at Kettering. he, He made such an impact when he came in last season. They've started off really slow, and I was interested to read um, a quote from someone you know well, John Dunham at the Northamptonshire Times, where he said, the alarm bells aren't sounding, but you can hear them in the distance.
3: Yeah, and I I did read a quote from Paul Paul Cox after the game yesterday, where he suggested that there were some players in his team who uh, dare I say, perhaps been given more chances than he felt they now deserved. to be perfectly honest, and that that he was going to have to act. So, you know, he's Clearly hearing some of those, you know, alarm bells as well and, and, and left his team in no doubt that, you know, if things don't improve, then some of them might not be around to, to, to see too much more of the season. Certainly not with Kettering Town. I mean, it was a really good result for Kers and Ashton yesterday. They've gone through a difficult period um, and, and they collected a, a fine 2-1 win in the end, which, which really boosts them, a uh, big boost for their manager, Stephen Cunningham. I think they'd added Sam Walker in the week. He'd he'd returned to the club having originally signed at Chorley. So that was a a big boost for them. Um, And yeah, I think um, Kettering in an early lead, but then pegged back by Dominic Knowles in the 26th minute. And then Darren Stevenson, who I think spent last season or last few seasons at Stockport County, he's made the move to Curzon Ashton. He scored the winner in the 70th minute. And um, yeah, from Kettering having started well, I mean, again, we, we talk about this this strange-looking league table, but the only three points from five games in 20th position. It, it, it's not, That's not going to please Paul Cox, absolutely not. And, and you know, you can see why he is, um, you know, giving out that warning to his team that things need to change.
1: Yeah, and the final game we're going to look at is Blythe against Hereford. Blythe, who again picked up a last-minute equaliser on Tuesday to draw against Farsley, but they were brought crashing down to earth. By Hereford, and I noticed as well, it was a a double barrelled affair, wasn't it, amongst the scorers for Hereford?
3: Yeah, they were were hit by both barrels of a double barrel um, uh, assault yesterday from Hereford. Tom Owen Evans scoring twice in the first half, just a couple of minutes apart, 33 minutes and 35. And then uh, a man who goes by the nickname of Shop, Linnell John Lewis. Um, his Christmas advert will be out soon, I would imagine. Um, he scored in the 70th minute to make it 3-0. And yeah, I think that that one that one put the seal on it effectively. Um, I think Blythe missed some chances when it was only 2-0 that would potentially have, have dragged them back into the game. But yeah, that that third goal killed it. And, um yeah, it's a very, very long journey back from Hereford to Blythe. I think it might be the longest road trip in the National League North, and and Hereford were able to make that with the the, the satisfaction of having three points in the bag.
1: Yeah, and uh, I can confirm the John Lewis advert is out as well. So there we go. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, we're not sponsored by them, by the way. There's, no. there's, we're not actually but, being paid to plug that. I should point out.
1: If they want to, we'll very happily take the the money off them if they're
3: happy to sponsor. Absolutely, us. yeah. I mean, if and they want to, put, if they if they want to put this in their Christmas advert next yeah. year, you know, we're happy to talk about it. Yeah,
1: and we're happy to give away hampers and stuff on the on the pod. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll set a question and stuff. So if anyone from John Lewis or Waitrose are listening and they get in touch with <laughs> us uh, on the Twitter at anl or emails as well anl at, at gmail.com. Dickie, we know you're hot on the Ryan Reynolds watch. Can you give us an update?
3: Um, yeah, well, t- today or or five p.m. today, Sunday, is the the deadline for voting for the Wrexham Supporters Trust members to to make their views known on the on the takeover proposal by Rob McElhenney and, and Ryan Reynolds. And I've um, seen a tweet today saying that the the results of that vote will be made public at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So Monday afternoon by two p.m., we should know whether Wrexham Supporters Trust have accepted that offer. Um, from Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, which included that intriguing um, uh, line where they put in there about two or three times to say that they would always beat Chester. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, and I gather you're you're headed to Wrexham next week. So we'll be able to uh, get some feedback from them on on what's happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I was, I was saying before we came on air, I think, Dickie, the, the, I think the... The one good thing is, is that uh, I'll be able to get in because I think if we didn't have COVID, Ryan Reynolds would be there on Saturday and I think the press come would be rather immense, wouldn't it? So uh, at least like with him not being there, it might be a bit calmer.
3: Yeah. I mean, the, the press boxes at Wrexham you know, they're quite capacitous, but yeah, I think that the, they'll have absolutely everybody knocking on their door wanting press passes given that it's the, you know, the only way you can get in if Ryan Reynolds was able to be in attendance. But um, now I suspect he'll still be watching online desperately asking anybody if they've got a link to the live stream. You know, I'm sure he's probably got his own personal private one by by that this time next week, if he's the owner of the club, to be perfectly honest. But um yeah, I mean that's going to add a really interesting dimension to to the National League. You know, having having two, you know, big Hollywood players as the owner of a club. That 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 will give us I mean, we could probably do a podcast on that from now until the end of the season and not talk about anybody else.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, if we can stare an interview with him, you will hear it first. And we may maybe even do it as a special exclusive podcast and just do that for the whole half an hour or whatever.
3: Um, We do keep trying. I do keep tagging him on Twitter, but no response uh, just yet. Mind you, it took him about six or seven years to respond to somebody to the previous one. So um, who knows? We might just have to bide our time.
1: And he'll have someone running his account for him, won't he? So it won't be him.
3: I feel like he doesn't do it himself entirely himself. Although, you know, it's not a Trump esque one where you can be absolutely (laughs) sure that that's his. That's his own words. Can't, I can't imagine him going through and going, "Hey, that books uh tweeted me again." <laughs> no, he'll be like, a a, <laughs> "Yeah, just, just, just do an interview with him just to shut him up, just so he doesn't keep tagging me." <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, well, you've got first, we, we've got first dibs, and it'd be me and you, and uh, and Ryan in in a room. Hopefully, well, that sounds wrong. In a room, uh, and we'll interview him, and on that <laughs> bombshell. Thank you very much to Rob, Chris, Darren and Tom and also to Dickie. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify and as I say, give us a follow on Twitter. Until then, look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon.